Welcome to the She Yearns Podcast. I am Cherry Strange, and I am so thankful you have joined us today. Thank you for being a part of this community. The She Yearns community exists to lead women to desire more of God in everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Welcome to the podcast. We are finishing up the last episode in a series called How Do I Do That? And it's the second part. I left you in a cliffhanger on a topic that is called How Do I Start Again? This is a bonus episode because the session was just too long. We're talking about how do I start again? We're looking at three different examples, Elijah, Jacob, and the exiles. We talked about how each of these examples had a specific calling, a particular aspect of their lives or a life mission as a whole that God spoke direction or promise over in terms of Elijah, who was a prophet speaking to God's people. Jacob, there was a specific calling that was carried through from Abraham. And then with the exiles who were called back to Jerusalem by the king of Persia, King Cyrus, who wanted them to rebuild the temple. So that was their calling. After their calling, there is a complaint. Our callings don't always go across with flying colors and things happen that everything doesn't always come up roses on this path of fulfilling our callings. Our reality doesn't line up with our theology. The situation doesn't always work out just the way we believe God spoke it over our life. That happens with Elijah. And he finds himself chased out of the city by the threats of Jezebel, who wants to kill him. He's on the mountain, making his complaint before God. God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he makes his complaint before him. Jacob has found himself scared silly of his brother, who's coming to meet him with 400 men and he doesn't even know what to do but he's prayed and he's asked the Lord to help him and he's calling the Lord on the carpet because the Lord told him to go and he promised him to be with him that's where we find Jacob and then we find the exiles who although they were working diligently they ran into some trouble there was some opposition of others who did not want them building the temple did not want them rebuilding and they literally put a stop to it and they had to quit rebuilding. Their callings are not being fulfilled at all. There is just too much against them. What we landed on last time was this understanding that as difficult as it may get and as much as we don't like it, often our dire conditions do not change our calling. What we are about to witness in the history of God and how he works with his people is a collision where the calling and the complaint collide. It's where we begin to put the two together in simple terms because I was using this analogy that we've been making this journey on this How Do I Do That series of going to the spa. We've done all the hard work, all the ugly instruments have come out and done their thing and now we're getting ready to go out there again and it's time to pick the color and the color's about to be applied. God has been doing all that work. The hard things have been going on and now the color is becoming real and it's about to go on our restored feet and that's what's going to happen with this collision and we begin to dream again. I don't know if that resonates with you but sometimes we can have come to a place where we've just stopped 
dreaming, the dream that God placed in our hearts. And this is where it begins again, how we start again. This is Psalm 57. Be merciful and gracious to me, O God. Be merciful and gracious to me. For my soul takes refuge and finds shelter and confidence in you. Yes, in the shadow of your wings will I take refuge and be confident until calamities and destructive storms are past. I will cry to God most high who performs on my behalf and rewards me, who brings to pass his purposes for me and surely completes them. That's the amplified version. I just love it. Psalm 57, 1 and 2. All right, let's look at Elijah. We are going to find the collision for him in 1 Kings 19, verses 15 through 18. He's come to that place where he's just thrown his little heart out there for the Lord, where the Lord said, what are you doing here? And this is the Lord's response after he's made his complaint. And the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shepheth, Shepheth, of Abel Mahola, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Haziel shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. You see, Elijah felt alone and that's his plea to the Lord. He's all alone and they want to kill him too. And God reassures him that he's not alone. Elijah gets his new color on and he hits the road with new vigor because there is the promise that there's someone to share the load with and there is a brighter future in sight. He has come to the mountain where God has assured him he's not alone and that God is in control. He can't see everything God can see and God has reminded him of that. We never see Elijah in this desperate negative Negative, ready to call it quits cycle again. And that's that's where the collision has taken place. Now, Jacob, God had already said to him before he even left with the fam to head back to his homeland to return home where he wanted him to do so in Genesis 31, 3, return to the land of your fathers and to your people and I will be with you. That's what the Lord said. And lo and behold, look what happened. This is 33, 1 through 4. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, Esau was coming and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two female servants. And he put the servants with their children in front, then Leah with her children, and Rachel and Joseph last of all. He himself went on before them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Not only does God make good on his promise to be with him in the drama and danger, to turn it into something else altogether, but God renews his promise to Jacob in the next chapter. God appeared to Jacob again in chapter 35, verse 9. And he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you. And kings shall come from your own body. The land that I give, well, the land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you. And I will give the land to your offspring after you. Jacob gets a new 
new color and a new identity. I don't know if that resonates with you, but God is in the business of making us into new people. He gives us a new identity. The encouraging feature of Jacob is that he does nothing to deserve God's goodness. I don't know if you've known that about him. He's not really a good guy. He's sort of a lousy husband and father and brother and son. But God had a calling on his life that was wrought with difficulties and dramas he chose to use for his glory. God is the beloved character in this story as he is in all. It is he who comes in to save the day and be true to his promises. I use Jacob as an example because he's not even that likable or a good guy. And God chooses to make him into a great nation. And if God can and is willing to do that with him, then there's hope for me. (laughs) Finally, the exiles. Haggai, we go to next. Haggai chapter 1. The skinny of it was this. These exiles returning to Jerusalem clearly heard the instructions. They were completely in line with the word of God through Jeremiah in every way. But then came the opposition by their enemies that was so effective it caused them to quit. And they had to. I mean, they were caused, they were made to quit by force. They really didn't have a choice in the matter. Can you even imagine? Well, I can imagine because there was a time a few years ago when I was really excited about a specific call on my life and I worked diligently to do everything I could to further it, to live the God-sized dream that was placed in my heart until every road came to a halt. Like I walked down every street, every alley, climbed out every window that had a latch because I knew that I had heard God speak the word go over this aspect. I, I knew it, but the road became completely blocked by opposition. When I heard no other word for going around, I had exhausted every option. One day, I just simply put it on a shelf and devoted myself to the other 50 things, which I believe God had called me to do. So I did some speaking. I created a website. I adopted a few kids over the next few years. But I thought he'd called me to write. The publisher he sent me to, and I know that he sent me to that publisher, literally died. (laughs) Uh, So I did not hear back from them. (laughs) These people in scripture who also had received a God-sized dream or calling, if you will, put their hammers down and went home because they were made to stop by force. Instead of completing the task, they devoted their time and resources to their own homes, their jobs, and their families. Did their homes need rebuilding? Yes, they did. Did they need to support their families? Well, of course they did. Did they have God-ordained responsibilities to their families? Well, yes, 16 years go by and the calling and the God-sized dream shrank. And to make sense of it all, as you and I tend to do, they justified their halting. Clearly, it wasn't God's timing to do what he said to do. Let me introduce you to Haggai. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheetiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house, speaking of the house of the Lord, remains in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Haggai verses 9 through 11 is God's response 
to putting their calling to rebuild the temple on the shelf. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away, says the Lord. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, and on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast and on all their labors. But there's about to come a collision on their calling and the complaint through a messenger sent at just the right time. You see, God was trying to get their attention. They needed not put that on the shelf. So he was using his means to do that. And Haggai is expressing that they didn't get the message. But there's about to come a collision of their calling and the complaint through a messenger sent at just the right time with just the right words. Verses 7 and 8. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. So this is what they did. Verses 12 through 15. Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, and Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people who had returned from captivity, listened to and obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, not vaguely, or partly, but completely, according to the words of Haggai the prophet. Since the Lord their God had sent him, and the people reverently feared and worshipfully turned to the Lord. Look what he says to them in the second chapter. But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, because he's the one that is there overseeing them. Be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. You see, he's reaching way back to how he led his people before and how he's been faithful to him before. And he's showing them that he's the same God. He's the same one who fulfills promises. And he is the one who is still with them. But there is a key to it. They need to participate with him. They put it on the shelf and it's time to take it off. Could it be that some of us have put our callings, our purposes, our tasks on the shelf, not because we didn't have the courage to walk in them, but because of opposition. It's as if we've been stopped by force, just like these exiles. We have justified our stopping and our turning of attention to family or projects or whatever. It's been our own agendas and no one would blame us. I'm not pointing any fingers here, but what if the time has come to pick up our God-sized dreams that he specifically placed in your heart and in mine. Because getting a new color or starting again is like receiving a commission. That's sort of what we see happening to Elijah. And with the renewed covenant promise to Jacob and the promise and encouragement the exiles received from the prophet Haggai. What about you? What about me? How do you and I start again? How can we, how do we start again? What steps can I take today? The first step is to renew my commitment to the calling. That's what we see in these examples. 
Maybe you too had to stop by force. Maybe you've done everything you believe the Lord had asked you to do. That's what I had done until you had to put that thing on the shelf and walk away. To renew the calling, you and I will need to come before the Lord and say, this is what I believe you said to me, but here I am. But I hear you calling me to begin again, to take one step, to trust you, to trust that I can discern your voice to me by the Holy Spirit whispering to me so I'm all in. I will go where you want me to go and I will do what you want me to do. And the second thing I think we can do today is when he shows you the action step, take it. (laughs) Take it. Haggai had one distinct message to deliver and he announced it plainly, which resonated with his audience so much that they moved into action. They started again. I don't know what God is saying to you through the Holy Spirit and through his word, but I'm here to encourage you. Don't give up. Don't lose sight of what God has planted in your heart for his glory, even in the face of opposition of epic proportion. It's good and right to start over after we've been discouraged after we've been beaten down and lost our way. Your God has provided a history to rely on and to show you his character and his faithfulness so that when the day comes for you or for someone else, you will know how to answer the question, how do I start again? You can do this. You can start again. This is what God does so well. Hey, thanks for being a part of this series. How do I do that? And this extra special bonus session that we just finished. I really enjoy doing this with you. And I hope that you will come back and walk with me in the next thing that we're about to do. I'm really excited about it. So I look forward to seeing you then. Thank you again for tuning in today. We will be releasing a new episode every week. I would invite you to become a subscriber. And it really makes a difference when you share something here that you find helpful or encouraging. You make an impact. You may never understand the value or difference your suggestion or encouragement made in the life of a friend or casual acquaintance just by passing a resource along. So please share what you find here with others. I would personally be grateful. Don't hesitate to like us on Facebook or Twitter or leave a review. For more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful encouragement, please go to www.sheyearns.com where you will find reading plans, articles, and other resources to help stir a desire for God into your everyday life.